Let us pray. God, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. A long time ago, uh, back in the third century, there was a pastor named Valentinus. He later came to be known as St. Valentine. Now, the historical records from way back then are a little unclear, uh, but people told stories about Valentinus and passed them on, and some of them have come all the way down to us these 1,700 years later. In one of those legends, Valentinus lived during the reign of the Roman Emperor, Emperor Claudius II. Claudius, during his reign, was fighting wars on all sides. Claudius did not trust Christians much. He didn't think they were good citizens. Christians worshipped Jesus, and for Claudius, that meant their loyalties were divided and their allegiances were questionable. It's also said that for a while, Claudius outlawed marriage. Claudius didn't think that married soldiers would be very reliable. Young married men in the military had a habit of abandoning their posts and returning to their lovers. Well, Valentinus ignored the emperor's edicts. He continued to baptize Christians who confessed Jesus is Lord, and he continued to bless these unlawful, illicit marriages. And for such pastoral care, Valentinus was arrested and he was imprisoned. It's said that Claudius personally interrogated Valentinus, said he even took to liking him. But when Valentinus tried to convert the emperor to Christianity, he went too far. He was martyred and he was buried, they say, on February 14th, St. Valentine's Day. Now, I'm not sure if these stories about Valentinus are historically factual, but I'm pretty sure they're true. These stories about his love and his loyalty describe something that we know deep in our souls, something we can't help but hope for, something we know is true even if we can't prove it. This always resonate with our scriptures today, don't they? In Deuteronomy, the writer calls us to choose life by loving God, and Valentinus did. And as Jesus taught in Matthew, Valentinus refused hatred and violence, and he blessed faithfulness, and he blessed fidelity. These two readings today um, describe the choices that Valentinus faced and the choices that we all um, always face. In Deuteronomy, uh, just a little bit of background, the people of Israel are in the wilderness. It's been 40 years since God had liberated them from slavery in Egypt. They're preparing to enter the promised land. And in Deuteronomy, Moses is reminding the people of the law, of the Torah. In fact, that word, that title Deuteronomy just means second law. So in Exodus chapter 20, you get the Ten Commandments, and here, Deuteronomy 5, you get the Ten Commandments restated and reinterpreted just a little bit. So in Deuteronomy, Moses is reminding the people of the law, and he's calling the people to be faithful to their covenant with God, their covenant to love God and to follow God's ways, and the promise is that they will prosper, that they will live in peace. And we read this ancient text because we still face those same choices. We have set before us life and good, death and evil, and we are still called to choose life, to choose the kind of life that comes of loving and being loved by God. In Matthew, this excerpt from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is describing how God's covenant, how God's ways lead to a full and true 
and good life together. And each section begins, you have heard it said. You have heard it said to those of ancient time, you shall not murder. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give a certificate of divorce. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely. And at first glance, I think I'm doing pretty good. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't gone through divorce. Okay, swearing, maybe I have a little bit to work on there. But in this text, Jesus pushes on. Jesus pushes to the heart of the matter. He's describing what God's will, what God's way looks like on earth as in heaven. The kind of community Jesus is describing requires something more. It requires something deeper. It's not enough just not to murder. We can't let our anger turn to bitterness or turn to hatred. Instead, we're called to work to really make our relationships right. It's not enough just not to commit adultery. Instead, we can't view others as commodities to be used. It's not enough to not divorce. We're called to be faithful and trustworthy in all of our relationships. And we ought not to have to swear oaths. When we say yes or when we say no, people ought to be able to believe us. It all sounds really good. It all sounds really right. And this week as I read these texts, I found myself wishing that life, that being good and true, was always as clear as it seems in Deuteronomy and in Matthew and in the stories of St. Valentinus. In Deuteronomy, the choice is very binary. I've set before you life and good, death and evil. Choose one or the other. In Deuteronomy, it's clearly an either-or. Most of the time, I find I'm more of a both-and kind of a person. I can see at least two sides to most choices that I face, most choices that we face. And in Matthew, we're told if your hand offends you, cut it off, and later, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And again, I'm more of a, well, on the one hand, and on the other hand, I'm more of a yes and, well, sometimes, sometimes no. And they're pretty good reasons. Um, you know what? No, I wanted to make sure to say one more thing here. I want to be clear. It's always no to murder. It's always no, there's no other side. It's always no to adultery. Uh, when we bless your marriages, we expect you to keep your vows, do everything in your power to uh, be truthful and faithful and honorable in your marriage. And if you're ever called for jury duty, affirm that you'll tell the truth. We don't swear oaths. But having said that, I'm often less either or, more, more both and. And to some degree, it's because I'm temperamentally just sort of a moderate person. Um, I also like to be liked, which uh, quite con- uh, honestly is not uncommon among pastors. But more so, life is complex and tangled and nuanced. It's often less black, white, up, down, in, out. I see a lot of gray most of the time. I'm also a straight white male in a country that was founded for guys like me. And in that circumstance, it's easy for us to assume without even thinking much about it that our way is the right way. I'm learning that is not true. And so it's important to listen, to learn, to understand another perspective, to see another side, to be willing to have our minds changed. It's also true that we live in a very polarized society. We live in an either-or society. Kind of doesn't matter what the issue is. Both sides are very certain of themselves. I can be pretty certain about things too sometimes. It reminded me of a, of, of a story or a quote from Harry Truman when he was the president. Harry Truman once said, 
Give me a one-handed economist. All my economists say, on the one hand, on the other hand, Harry wanted more certainty. There are a lot of one-handed people in our society. On the one hand, and there is no other hand. There are a lot of one-handed Christians in our society, and that's true, people on the conservative end of the spectrum. It's true, people on the progressive end of the spectrum. But certainty is not the same as wisdom. So I'm more of a both-and person, I think with pretty good reasons. But what I hear in these scriptures today from Deuteronomy and from Matthew is that for all of the complexities, for all of the uncertainties that we live with, there are times that we have to choose. There are times we can't avoid choosing. There are times that not choosing is a choice. And so in Deuteronomy, Moses tells the people as they're preparing to enter Canaan that they're going to have to choose life and good or death and evil. Well, the book of Deuteronomy leads into the book of Joshua and the stories of Joshua and Judges and later in Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. The people too often choose conquest and destruction and genocide. They choose the ways of death. In Matthew, Jesus describes what it looks like when we choose life, when we choose the kind of life that comes of loving God, that comes of trusting the ways of God, reconciliation and respect and integrity and trustworthiness. And if you read on in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, just the next few verses, Jesus teaches us that we, we, can over, that we overcome evil not with more powerful versions of evil, but with good. Jesus teaches us that we're to love even our enemies. The mystery, uh, the paradox of the gospel, is that the Jesus who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, the Jesus who said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly, that Jesus will be put to death. He will be crucified. It's in dying to death, in dying to the deathly ways, by refusing to return violence for violence, by insisting at the end on forgiving the very people who were killing him. It's in dying to death that Jesus was raised by the power of God's love to new life and to a new way of living. And so the life or death choice that the gospel sets before us is whether or not to trust that Jesus is the way of true life, whether or not to trust that the love of God is powerful enough to make possible the kind of life together, the kind of life together in this world that Jesus promises. Can we trust in God's love? Can we trust that we are loved by God? Always. Can we trust in God's love rather than reacting to our fears, whatever your particular fears might be? Can we trust that God's love can redeem our past, can forgive us, and heal us and grant us a fresh start? Can we trust that God's love is deep enough and wide enough, broad enough to encompass everyone and all of creation? Can we trust that God's love is powerful enough to bend the arc of history toward justice? There are times that we all have to choose. Times when on the one hand and on the other hand leads to inaction rather than compassion. Times when, well, yes and no, just sustains the status quo rather than siding with the oppressed. Times that the reasonableness of both and negates the radical transformative vision of the kingdom of heaven, the beloved community. There are times that we have to choose. 
Valentinus chose life, chose love, chose to be faithful to the way of God that Jesus taught us. They tell another story about Valentinus. When he was in prison, they say that the jailer approached him. The jailer who was holding him captive, awaiting execution. The jailer who rightly was his enemy. The jailer approached Valentinus and asked him to pray for his young daughter. She was blind. And Valentinus did. He prayed for her. And she was healed. Before he was executed, Valentinus cut a heart from a piece of parchment and sent it to the girl. They say he signed it from your Valentine. The note was a sign of God's love for her. And it wasn't the only one. Apparently, Valentinus had made many of these hearts and sent them to many people throughout the empire. Even in the face of death, St. Valentine trusted in the love of God as the source of true life. So in your bulletin today, uh, there's, there's a heart. And you can cut it out if you want. It's not much of a valentine. If you're sweet on someone, I still suggest chocolates or roses. I hope you'll carry this heart with you during the week, though. And I hope it will remind you of Valentinus and the stories of his love and his loyalty. And even more, I hope it will prompt us all to ask, how can we be signs of God's love? Amen.